I'm Anya Cox, and you're listening to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. I started this podcast because I was tired of being stereotyped as lazy, triggered, and entitled. I wanted to give voice to a different kind of millennial and invite us to write a new story. One of a generation willing to challenge the status quo, embrace nuance and paradox, and reject PC culture. This podcast isn't about finding answers. It's about asking the right questions. How can we reinvent ourselves and the narratives we've been expected to inherit? How can we take ownership over the ways we participate in our own suffering? How can we move beyond victimization and into empowerment? How can we fix ourselves to fix the world? It's time for new dreams, new stories, and new futures. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Feels like it's been a while. Feels like I say that a lot recently, (laughs) Uh, which I think is because there has just naturally been more space between each podcast episode as of late. And that's partially what I want to talk about today. Um, And it's a weird thing because I also feel like having started my Substack account almost a year ago now, um, that there's been so much activity there and I'm feeling really good about that space uh, and writing there. And for those who don't know, basically I I replaced my Patreon with this thing called Substack. About a year ago, um, I was using Patreon to Uh, ask for donations to support this podcast financially since I have never and don't plan on ever having any ads. And in exchange for those donations, which were helping me fund this project, I was giving perks like access to the book club and some workshops and um, uh, these columns of inspiration called Minerva's Muse. But it became this very strange thing where it didn't really feel like people were donating money to support the podcast, it felt like they were paying me for the perks. Um, They were paying me for the sort of like community offerings that I was putting out. And that started to make me feel weird. uh, Because if I'm going to accept your donations, I want to accept them because you find this project, both the podcast and the Substack, valuable. Um, And I want to, I want you to find it valuable because there's lots of things to do and lots of ways to get involved here. Um, And I didn't want to limit that to only people who could afford to pay for it. And so I decided uh, to sort of restructure everything. And I was going through a sort of personal transformation of my own um, last winter, and it just felt like I needed a change. Um, And so I launched the Substack thereby allowing everyone to have access to the community, like the book club and my columns of inspiration, um, for free. And if they had the means and if they felt called to donate to the project overall, that's still an option. But things would no longer be behind a paywall. And the other great thing about Substack is that it's really writing-based And part of my reasoning for transferring over was what I just explained as far as the monetary stuff, um, but also because I really wanted to write more. And this was a little bit intimidating (laughs) because I find writing intimidating sometimes, mostly when I'm not in the, you know, in the groove and actually doing it and practicing it. Um, So I thought it would be a really good motivator for me to start doing that. And it was, and I found myself really enjoying it. And I feel like without a doubt, some of the energy that I was putting into the podcast part of this project um, got sort of diverted into the Substack part of this project and through the writing. And I've, I've felt, I felt really called to write. And it's, it's been interesting to see how that fluctuates throughout my life. Like sometimes I feel like sitting down and talking in front of the microphone feels so much more comfortable and more authentic. And then other times, I don't want to speak. I just want to write and I really want to think about what I'm what I'm writing about and I really want to organize it. So I feel like for the past year I've been kind of in this writing mode, which has made me feel a little bit guilty because it hasn't allowed me to devote as much time to the verbal audio part of the project. Um, if you haven't joined us on Substack yet, 
Uh, I highly recommend it because this project is definitely growing in a multitude of different sort of multimedia ways. Um, and so if you enjoy this project, what I'm doing on Substack is very similar, just different a different format. So through articles and through exploring mythology and through poetry and through commentary on you know, current events and um, reviews of books I'm reading and all of these things, it's really very much the same project. And so I, I've been trying to kind of wrap my head around that um, in an effort to not feel as guilty as uh, about not being as present in front of the microphone as I might like to be because I feel like I'm present in these other ways. And it's been really fascinating to reflect on this project as a whole, which is now four years, a little over four years old. And really reflect on what my intention was starting out and where I am now and really putting the sort of change and evolution of the project into perspective. Um, and this is really what I want to speak about today, which is going to come together in... <laughs> I don't really have anything planned. <laughs> um, this is going to be a little bit off the cuff. I mean, these are ideas that I've been thinking about over the past few months pretty intensely, but as far as how I'm going to organize them, I'm not so sure, so we're going to find out together. Um, but partially what I really want to talk about is this idea of creativity and and output and really just action or routine, like anything, anything that we do, really, um, and finding our authentic, most authentic path within that space which has been a project of mine for a long time. And in fact, a millennial's guide to saving the world was created to really explore that very thing, which was that the creative projects that I engaged in previously were so co-opted by, you know, internal narratives around not being good enough and perfectionism and grandiosity, not to mention like the patriarchy and capitalism's influence telling me that I need to produce more and post regularly and just do and do and do and do. And so in many ways, I created this project to resist that and to use it as a way to focus myself, um, which meant both, you know, how much time I'm spending on this project, but also what I'm doing with this project, like what feels good to me, what feels right. I'm not just putting stuff out there because I feel like I should because a week has passed or two weeks have passed or because I'm supposed to do this thing according to the schedule. So um, all of you are very much coming along for the ride of my own exploration through my internal desires and creative both creative desire and creative output, I guess. It may have been, um, maybe I was biting off more than I can chew to actually make this outward facing project <laughs> such a personal psychological experiment, but here we are. Um, but it's, I've just really, I'm really fascinated by continuing to explore this idea of knowing how to listen to what we want and doing it. But then at the same time, you know, maybe sticking to a schedule or a routine or delivering things when we need to, right? Like our life is obviously full of requirements and deadlines and things we need to do. So we can't just necessarily walk around all the time and be like, what do I want? What does my soul crave in this instant? And then do it. Um, but I think there are little ways to do that at all times. And I think that dialogue that internal dialogue is so important, or at least it's been incredibly important for me. Um, one example of this is something that I've mentioned on the podcast a lot, which is that after I got divorced and was really living on my own for the first time ever, I realized that I had all these habits and routines that had just sort of materialized, um, but I hadn't really done much work to figure out why they were there and if I even wanted them there. Um, and so I would ask myself all the time, like, why is, why am I doing this or that, right? Like, why am I washing the dishes at, in the, at night instead of in the morning? Why am I wearing this type of clothing? Why am I waking up at this time? Why am I going to sleep to this at this time? Why is this my morning routine? Like, why am I going to this event? Why? 
So I really just began to unpack all of these little minute details of my life in order to, you know, really assess whether or not those were choices I wanted to be making and take ownership and, you know, over what I was doing um, and cultivate decisions that were thought through and and authentic and, you know, consciously considered instead of just sort of robotically moving through life according to, you know, what time my husband wanted me to wash the dishes or what time my mother wanted me to call her. Um, so really breaking all of that down and starting again. And that was enormously helpful. But I feel I find myself six years later still doing that project um, in different ways and according to different things. And I think one thing that I've been one way that I've been doing that exercise recently is really thinking about creativity and energy output and really examining where my desire to do things is coming from and whether or not I'm listening to that desire and what comes up for me in that. I don't want to say struggle, but sometimes it's a struggle. And so the way that this has really shown up for me recently is it's so ironic because if I do think back to where I was when I started this podcast and what my intention was, my, and maybe not all of you know this, unless you've been following me from the very beginning, but my intention in starting this podcast was very much to have this podcast be a part of a much larger project. And after my divorce and after doing a ton of soul searching and after a ridiculous amount of time and money spent on therapy, all of which I'm incredibly grateful for and would do it all again, um, I realized that my calling or at, le at least like the umbrella calling, because I have so many freaking interests and so many different things that I'd like to do, but I think the thing that um, umbrellas, all of them is community and cultivating community. And this podcast was the very first way that I was going to do that in my life. I thought about writing a book, but that was going to take too much time. I didn't have enough money nor the connections to buy land at the time. And by connections, I mean, like, I didn't know who I was going to be doing this with. And so the podcast, to be perfectly honest, felt like the the fastest, easiest path forward in that moment. But the point was going to be to basically like say, hey, I'm not really sure where all these people are that are like me, but I know you exist. So let me pick up this microphone and kind of like talk through a megaphone and hope that I attract people who might be interested in doing the same things I'm interested in doing and not to mention have similar core values as a way to make connections and as a way to eventually take a lot of this engagement and community interaction that we've been able to cultivate together over the past four years into something that's more in person, which doesn't mean that like every podcast member <laughs> moves to the same town and uh, sets up some sort of commune, but like the trajectory of the project in my mind from the beginning was definitely from online to in-person, which doesn't mean there won't still be online stuff, which doesn't mean that I don't plan to continue this podcast. But I really do see and have always seen in-person stuff as the kind of ultimate goal. Which definitely um, became a little tricky in the past couple of years with COVID, um, but hopefully we are moving past that. And also things have, you know, transformed and evolved in my life that make in-person stuff also feel more realistic um, at this point. So over the past few months, I've been <laughs> I've been engaging in this sort of bizarre internal struggle, which is feeling kind of guilty about not being more present for the podcast or not putting out enough Substack pieces, just not being on, you know, um, while simultaneously realizing that the other stuff that I'm spending time on 
is so much aligned with my vision and where I want this project to go. The big, big development that's happened in the past month, which I've resisted sharing up until now, and even now feel like um, a little frightened to talk about it before it's totally confirmed. Um, but of course, Chris and I came back to Crestone after traveling the world for a year and really decided like this is a great time to just kind of slow down and get focused on work and do more writing and do more podcasting, rent a place for the next couple years, and then... Um, you know, and then maybe in 2024, start to work on building our house and our, you know, the spot that will sort of serve as a community space. Um, that hasn't totally worked out in the sense of the rest and the pause that we were hoping for, because about a month ago, we, uh, decided to buy a house. Surprise! Um, we had been kind of looking at some houses in Crestone just out of curiosity's sake, um, getting ideas for when we build, but the plan all along was to, um, we have to be out of this rental in late March, but the plan was to find a longer rental and rent that place for a couple of years while we, um, you know, finished planning our project and building. But we saw this little teeny cabin that was super quirky and built by someone who, let's just call him neurodivergent. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of weird things in it, like he was planning to build an apocalypse library. So I've never seen so many bookshelves in my entire life. Um, and there's like a strange root cellar cement fortress on the property that we like don't really know what to do with um like someone was planning for end times that's all I gotta say and I have some I have some empathy and understanding but along with some of these idiosyncratic elements to the property there's also some really really beautiful elements to it the view is amazing it's sort of outside of the properties Pro property owners association here which gives us some more freedom then we would have um, with a place within the POA, um, which is all probably way too detailed information for all of you people. Um, but it's really cool and and really um, built in a way uh, like, you know, this guy paid attention to detail. Um, and there's a lot of really beautiful windows and um, beautiful, like, you know, carpentry work and... It definitely needs some work. The kitchen is like microscopic. So given that I love to cook as much as I do, we'll need to make some changes. But basically our big picture decision about this was that it, in running the numbers, was more economical to actually purchase this property and do a little work on it and then use it later down the line as like a satellite property or an Airbnb or sell it. Then it would be to spend money to some random person on rent for the next two years but it was totally and completely unplanned. So we basically impulse purchased a house, which has understandably been a bit overwhelming. We close tomorrow. I'm recording this today, Thursday, January 12th. And it's possible that I won't release this until after we close because I feel sort of superstitious about... Chris already talked about it on his podcast, but you know, for some reason, I think I have magical powers where if I talk about it, something could go wrong. Um, but there's just been a lot of bizarre twists and turns, not just with this property, but in some of the other purchases that we've made in Crestone for land. So anything goes, I feel like anything could happen. And I've just been, I've been in this soup of contemplation on the one hand, kind of like, you know, concerned and busying myself with things that need to happen with this house, like getting insurance and visiting, you know, meeting with contractors and, and architects and all these people. But also it's provided me with this really interesting space to think about and explore my own energy output and my own desire to do things and my capacity to create, you know, at all times. <laughs> and maybe that's unrealistic. And I think that's something that I've been learning the past six years, uh, but which has felt extremely kind of top of mind and potent for me over the past few months, which is really to sit back and unpack what moves me through my life and through my days. 
like what is the motivating not even motivating factor but like sometimes I feel like we just move through life on such autopilot and this can be obviously at a very minute level like just okay we need to do the laundry and we need to wash the dishes and we're just sort of like running through these routines that we just sort of do and do and do then there's also the big picture stuff like staying in jobs for decades on end or relationships for long periods of time and just sort of accepting that that's the way things are without ever asking ourselves like is it time to bring these things up for renegotiation or reconsideration so reminds me of this moment that i had with a very close friend of mine several years ago and it was so brief and so simple but it really affected me and it's something that I recall a lot especially when thinking about this sort of topic it was late at night and we'd had some wine and we were having these really deep conversations and there were tears and it was a really intense time in both of our lives and my friend is the type of person that like writes a lot of like goals and intentions and notes on little post-its and pieces of paper and like tapes them up all around her house. It's like one big vision board in her house. And she went into the bathroom at some point and came out with this sort of stunned look on her face. And she just said, it's so easy to forget. And I asked her what she meant by that. And she said she just had this moment where she went into her bathroom and she looked at all these intentions and dreams and visions for her life that she looks at every single day. And yet they're just sort of like not present and not being pursued for whatever reason. And the monotony and the routine and the, you know comfort I would say with what we're doing even if it's not quote-unquote comfortable you know like there's comfort in shitty patterns or in annoying routines even if they're not good for us we just get caught in those loops and we just forget and I think I think about this a lot because I feel that in many ways I spent my entire 20s in that space And I know people spend much more, I feel so privileged to have figured it out in that amount of time. And I know a lot of people are in that place for much longer. But I would be lying if I said I don't have straight up regret around the fact that so much of my 20s, you know, wasted feels like a, like a very intense word to use to describe it, but I was spending my time and energy on careers and relationships and friendships and family relationships that were just not good for me and didn't bring me happiness or peace or authenticity in in any form. And I never want to do that again. (laughs) And I think... I feel maybe a bit fueled by that loss and the grief around that loss of that time in my life that makes me feel so dedicated to not falling into that kind of pattern again. And and these sorts of things, again, can happen on like different scales, right? Like, I'm definitely not gonna go back to some like nine to five job working in marketing or be in some relationship with someone that you know, isn't for me. But I may very well, you know, construct my, the routine of my day based on a false premise or based on external expectations. And that too is a loss. You know, that too is, is time I don't want to waste. And so I've been I've been thinking about how important it is to take this stuff more seriously in the sense of like this isn't just this project of asking ourselves what we want at any given time, you know, really focusing on creating from a conscious and authentic place, doing activities and engaging in routines throughout our day that it's authentic like those things are all good because I believe in authenticity and I believe in 
like that that's the path to live a full and happy life. But I think that's also the means by which we contribute to the world, you know, and contribute to, and when I say world, I don't mean like change the world. I mean, contribute to our own little personal world, the way that we contribute to the lives of the people that are around us, the ways that we engage with the land that surrounds us and that we live on. Like this stuff is, I think, really important, just not, not just for our own self-development, but for our capacity to live and exist in the world in a way that's, you know, reciprocal and full of gratitude. And, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes ever, which I have on my website homepage by Howard Thurman, which is, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive, because the world needs more people who have come alive. I could not agree more. I think that's such a beautiful, profound way to look at these things. I think, I don't know which podcast I was on, but I think I was quoted saying something about like, our authentic path is good for the planet. Like if we can actually find, genuinely locate and embody our authentic path, I don't think anybody's authentic path is naturally destructive. (laughs) You know, that happens. And I'm not saying even like destructive personalities are abnormal or anything like that. But I think if we can really locate our authenticity and our genuine authentic path, that that will be something that's beneficial to the world. And so that's something I've come back to and come back to and come back to. And, you know, I just, I want to, I really want to call out the long, how long-term of a project this is. You know, there are these lessons in our lives that you know, the context and circumstance of them changes. Like I'm no longer questioning why I wash the dishes at night instead of in the morning. Like I'm good on that. But that same question then moves to different things. And as I evolve and as I change, that question takes on new meaning and the internal dialogue takes a different shape and takes a different form. And maybe that particular exercise isn't something that really inspires you, but I'm sure you can think of some lessons or um, the structure of some lessons in your life that really seem to apply and reapply and apply and reapply. And again, it's not a failure, right? Like the fact that I'm still thinking about this doesn't mean that I've failed. It's just, it to me, it feels like, you know, we're it's a training of the mind or an examining of the mind. You're using a similar tool to get deeper and deeper and deeper. But as you allow yourself to go deeper, like as the nail gets deeper in that piece of wood, you can still use the same tool and the nail starts to hit new things. And I feel like I've definitely had sort of somewhat of a revolution in this lesson of asking myself why I do things all the time, Um, which is, which is taking that and, and just asking the same question, but maybe on a little bit of a bigger picture level. And I have this time and this space that I haven't had before being in Cresto, not traveling as much. And like, holy shit, is there a lot that I want to do? I want to do my tea ceremonies and I want to play my hang drum and I want to make jewelry, which is like a random new hobby of mine and draw mandalas, another random new hobby. And I want to read three books a month and I want to do this podcast. I want to release a series talking about what I read each month on Substack and all the other Substack things. And it's like, Oh, and I also want to like bake 25 loaves of bread each day. I literally today baked a focaccia and three loaves of bread. Like, and I have, I got someone needs to come eat this stuff because it's like absurd. So there's a lot and I genuinely want to do all of those things. But the problem is that I constantly just, when I'm doing one thing, feel guilty that I'm not doing the other. Like, it's like I finally found all the authentic things that I want to do, which was like the purpose of the first exercise in this respect. But now there's now that I've located all of those things, it's like, shit, now I have to make the decision about which one I'm going to spend time on. And that's a whole other internal dialogue that's been going on. Um, And I don't really have an answer to this. Like, I might 
multifaceted human with multifaceted hobbies and desires, and I don't think that's ever going to go away. But I have appreciated utilizing my, you know, diverse interests, and could we also say maybe my proclivity toward burnout and overwhelm due to all the things that I want to do, even if they're coming from a healthy place. Utilizing all of that to dig deeper into the root of my desires and into the root of my capacities and my limits. (laughs) And I will say that one helpful lesson I think that has come out of this, even though, like I just said, I don't really think I have the answers, but one one way that I've looked at this, which has felt relieving and grounding and kind of like helps to direct me a bit, is an epiphany that occurred in my recent study of dance and in the Contact Beyond Contact classes that I'm teaching. Um, I've I've engaged in multiple forms of dance and movement and physical activity throughout my entire life. I've never, you know, true to form, like picked one thing and gotten really good at it. I, I'm a dabbler. Um, so I've done some dance and I've done some yoga and I've done some martial arts. And um, so I've done all these different things. And what I'm realizing really through the dance actually is really where this awareness has appeared is how many parallels there are between all of these practices. So like this past summer when Chris and I um, co-led a retreat with Cameron and Melaine Shane, who run Budokan, um, they're movement artists and martial artists, and they focus on a lot of natural movements. So like animal crawling patterns and rolling and mobility. And it was fascinating to me being with them this past summer and having Cameron lead some movement classes and realizing like how much of the stuff that he's teaching, which is coming from a martial arts background, is relevant and applicable to my contact beyond contact and contact improvisation dance training. Um, Actually, CI, Contact Improv, was created by someone named Steve Paxton, who uh, practiced Aikido, which is a form of martial arts. So there's actually a lot of CI that's based in martial arts, but there are parallels across the board. Certainly yoga, certainly dance, certainly martial arts, and all, you know, I would assume other forms of movement as well that I'm not even thinking about right now. Um, And not only are these things parallel to one another as far as movement is concerned, but of course All of these things like balance or power dynamics or mobility are also applicable to relationships and to communication and to our sexuality. Like the way we do any one of these things is the way we do all of these things. And therefore, picking one of these things and focusing on one of these things and getting really good at any one of those things helps us get good at all the other stuff. And that was like massive mind explosion moment for me. Because it made me realize that like while I'm taking my yoga class, like me taking my yoga class does not mean that I'm taking time away from my dance class. In fact, the things that I'm using in the yoga class are going to help me in the dance, right? And doing my tea ceremony and, pr- and cultivating awareness and presence, that's going to help me in my communication. And so I started to kind of, instead of feeling this like guilt and this confusion, which to be honest has kind of been plaguing me as of late, um, because I think there's so many shifts happening to this project too, and this sort of like grief around those shifts and guilt around those shifts. Anyway, it's all been just confusing and upsetting um, and, you know, all good stuff and good things are coming out of them. And I feel like I've learned enough or thought enough that I can actually have, you know, host a podcast episode about this. Um, But it's been pretty rough. And I know I've heard a lot of feedback from other people I know, and I'm teaching this Mars retrograde class right now. And the students in that class have talked about this as well. Mars has been retrograde over the past few months. 
And Mars really in the sign of Gemini and Mars, you know, is really speaking to our actions and our desires and what we move toward. And Gemini is the sign of like all the things and all the options and all of the opportunities. And so I think a lot of us have been navigating where to put our energy, where to focus our action when there are so many options and when there's so many available things that we could do or could move toward in front of us. And I don't know about you, but I was sort of thinking about this in the sense of like, but I don't want to not do the other things, you know, like I want to do all this stuff. I don't want to just focus on the podcast, or I don't just want to focus on the jewelry making, like I really want to do all these things. And so I was feeling really badly about the prospect of having to like eliminate stuff from my life. And then through engaging in all of this frustration, because <laughs> that's mostly what it felt like, um, through engaging in all of this, I recognized how I just don't have to think about it that way. And it was so clarifying and relieving for me to understand that practicing one thing gives me skills and lessons and helps me in the other things too. And that's really cool. And so it's still a bit of a struggle, right? Like even just today before recording this podcast, you know, I've been knowing that I've wanted to record a podcast on this topic for quite some time, but I haven't really figured out or hadn't really figured out how I wanted to do it yet. And so this process of asking myself what I want to do or what, quote, should I do or what do I need to do or putting all of those together and asking myself one giant question of like, what needs to happen right now? Um, that's it's still tricky sometimes. Like, I don't know what I want all the time. I don't I don't necessarily. It's hard for me to locate that sometimes. And there's also the issue of asking myself that question of what do you want to do right now, knowing I have a notebook full of bullet points of things I need to accomplish and that the answer is meditating or taking a bath or resting more or reading. Like that's a, it's a, it's, it's a struggle. It's really been a struggle. Um, and I wanted to just give voice to that and like say that and continue to do, to play the role that I want to play as the voice that you're listening to as the host of this podcast, which is to be as vulnerable and as honest as I can possibly be. And while this is, you know, and not just talk about lessons that I've learned and figured out, but talk about things that I'm learning and how I'm learning them in real time. And so that's what I've been focusing on a lot is really honing in deeper on my desires and weighing those against my responsibilities and the requirements for me to live in life and take care of myself and and take care of people around me but just really kind of renegotiating that for myself or or maybe it's even just renegotiating the negotiation really taking it deeper not letting myself off the hook to be like oh I want to do this other thing but I'm gonna you know record this podcast episode because it's like a bit too long and I just need to do it there's a lot. There's a lot of sticky web-like structures in all of that. So that's really what I, what I wanted to give voice to today, was just sort of vocalizing and sharing that that struggle, the, that journey that I've been over over the past couple months, and also to say that in purchasing this house... And in really moving forward with this project in ways that are dealing with the sort of physical, tangible, in-person manifestation of what I've always wanted this to be, that my energy and my focus, I can just feel them being pulled there more. And it's been helpful and relieving to kind of apply this idea around 
doing one thing helps you do better at all the other things that like obviously my focus within the framework of this project whether it's on Substack or in front of the microphone or building a house or any of these things that they're all contributing to one whole and yeah that just totally shifted things for me in a way that's felt really positive and so the podcast is definitely not going away but I want to stop holding myself accountable to releasing new episodes, especially weekly, which I don't think has ever really happened, but even bi-weekly, just really continuing to release them when it feels right, and also continuing to cultivate Substack. Um, We are in the middle of our January book club. We're reading a book called Wild Game by Adrienne Brodeur, which is really riveting, I have to say. A lot of people in the book club read it in like 48 hours, so... If you want to join, but you're afraid you might not finish the book in time, I would say not to worry. Um, you can also get it on audiobook or Kindle and just sort of zoom through it. It's it's pretty easy to read, and our discussion is going to be co-hosted by Erin, my Horror Report co-host. And we just set the time, so I'm going to pull up my calendar and look at it right now. We are going to meet to discuss Wild Game January 29th, which is a Sunday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Um, So if you want to join in on that, uh, please do. There's still time. Uh, We're also, I'm going to continue the book club at first. I thought it would just be through April, but given that I'm going to be in Crestone for a little while longer and have the focus and time to do this, and because I love the book club, I love reading books alongside all of you, I'm going to extend it uh, past April. But the info thus far you can find uh, at Anya Kotz, A-N-Y-A-K-A-A-T-S dot substack, S-U-B, S-T-A-C-K dot com slash forward slash book club intro. Um, that's where you can find all the info in the book club and sign up for the Substack if you haven't already. And there is some info in that post about how to specifically sign up to get book club related uh, notifications. So yeah, so my energy is definitely in Substack Definitely feeling good about writing, definitely feel about feeling good about the book club, and also maybe starting to cultivate some other group spaces where we can meet um, over Zoom for now as well. In Crestone, I am teaching Contact Beyond Contact classes. It seems like it'll be every week on Fridays from 4 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. They've been really fun. It's been such an awesome way to meet people here locally, and I hope some of you who are listening who might... Um, come to Crestone to visit it sometime, might want to participate. So that is open. And I have started uh, both a YouTube and an Instagram account, um, which is called the Crestone Conglomerate. So Crestone Conglomerate is a rock uh, that's found only here in Crestone. Conglomerates in general are found lots of different places, but Crestone Conglomerate is found only in Crestone, and a conglomerate rock is basically a rock made of lots of other rocks, Um, and there's one particular one here in Crestone that's quite common and visible basically everywhere. You can't miss it, and um, a couple years ago, Chris and I decided uh, that it was a really good metaphor for what we were trying to do here in Crestone which was to basically cultivate lots of different people from different walks of life with different skill sets and different interests together into a sort of conglomerate, a conglomerate community. Um, And so we decided to name our project the Crestone Conglomerate because we feel that we are building somewhat of a conglomerate ourselves. And so we're going to be posting updates. I'm going to be filming a lot of video about our construction and our process and the hurdles that we come up against and the wins that we celebrate, uh, really starting with this little house that we just bought, which you know was never really planned to be a part of the community uh, property. Um, but we'll see what happens with it, and it'll be a really great opportunity for us to uh you know, just get our hands dirty, literally, uh, with the build. Uh, Chris and I have both sort of separately had some experience remodeling, but it's been a little while, so we're looking forward to the opportunity to dig in in this little property before really delving into the big house. But you can follow all of that on Instagram at the Crestone Conglomerate, and then we also have a YouTube channel which you can search. Um, I'll put the links to this, this, this stuff in the description as well. The Crestone Conglomerate. 
um, subscribe there. There'll be lots of cool videos so you can follow from afar and maybe also some opportunities to come and help. And ultimately, this place will be just owned by Chris and I. It's not like co-owned by lots of different people, but we're hoping to set it up so that we have some community spaces so that we can offer workshops or host yoga classes or have dance parties or like, I don't know, a few stripper poles, you know, whatever. Um, a tea house, uh, we can do tea, tea ceremonies, like a little place for people to perform. So we'll see. It's, it's, you know, my motto for this project has always been to like follow the energy of the thing based on some advice that I got back in the day and not to be overly focused on the specifics and the details of the project, but really allow it to unfold organically, which has been a whole lesson and journey in and of itself, uh, which is sometimes a lot easier said than done because, man, is it fun to control things? Just love controlling how everything turns out. <sighs> anyway, um, so I, I yeah, that, that's where I feel like I am. And I wanted to come on here today to have this little conversation about creativity and about desire but also to really just provide a life update and say that things really do seem to be moving forward in Crestone with our plans. And I'm feeling stoked to, yeah, like really use my hands and, you know, like have dance with people in person and like tear wood panels off walls and just like get into the nitty gritty of this project that has been living in my brain for so long and which has, you know, has materialized and manifested in certain ways, but it really feels like it's happening now in ways that it hasn't before. And, you know, I want to feel excited about that. And I want this to be celebratory and not have it be something that makes me feel guilty because like, I can't focus on my project because I'm focusing on my project. Like, no. Um, and I, of course, you know, I, I don't think any of you are disappointed with me. This is obviously all a very internal projection that's happening. Um, but I felt like saying it and putting it out into the ecosphere and sharing this and announcing these things, you know, will help them feel more real. It'll feel more real when we actually close tomorrow. Um, but also, yeah, just to update you on what thing, what's happening and where things are going. Um, I believe Chris and I will be at Tao Ruspoli's Bombay Beach Biennale. Um, so if any of you happen to be going to that in Bombay Beach on the Sultan Sea, see you then in a few months. But other than that, we're going to be building a lot and filming what we build a lot. And yeah, it should be fun and interesting. And as always, if any of you happen to come through Crestone or are interested in buying some land here, hit me up. Um, I'm always happy to talk about it and share what we're doing and help each other. So I think that's all I got for today. Thank you for being here with me for being with me for as long as you have, whether that's whether today is your first episode or whether you've been here for quite some time. Uh, always great to hear from you, whether that's an email or commenting on an episode on Substack. When you subscribe, you can actually comment on every episode. I've also just set up something that's really cool in the Substack app, which is a community chat, sort of like the old WhatsApp chats that we used to have and Discord, which I sort of discontinued. But now Substack has a chat option, option which has been really cool. So looking forward to connecting with all of you in all the ways in the future. Um, again, the place to find all of this stuff, anyakots.substack.com. You can comment on episodes, on posts, uh, join our book club, and get involved on the chat. And yeah, maybe meet up with some of you in person. I think more of those opportunities are definitely coming. It also looks like uh, Chris and I will again be leading a retreat. This is hot off the press. <laughs> with Cameron and Elaine at their ranch in uh, Kalispell, uh, I'm sorry, Whitefish, Montana, this summer again. So if you went and want to come again, or if you thought it sounded awesome and want to come for the first time, we are doing that again. It's going to be uh, late August, like last week, second to last week of August. I will announce all the dates, but 
that's coming. I'm super excited about it. This is a retreat that Chris and Cameron and Malene and I led last year. It's basically like the intersection of, you know, movement and embodiment and relationships and communication and sort of finding the parallels within all of those and meeting other like-minded people, other listeners like yourself. So it was such a, such a good time. And I can't wait to do more things like that in the future when Chris and I have our own property. But in the meantime, Cameron and Malane's place is gorgeous and amazing. And it's really nice to lead with other people, um, especially people that are doing such cool things. So more of all of that, more announcements about all of that to come. The best place to stay up to date, that retreat will fill up fast and these things fill up quickly. So the place that I seem to be announcing things first is definitely Substack. So make sure to put your email address in to get access to all of that. And it's free. It's totally free for everyone. There is no fine print. Again, if you find this project valuable, if you've been finding this content valuable for quite some time and you have the means to donate, you can kind of think about it like public radio. You're helping this keep this project afloat and also helping to subsidize other people's access to this project who might not be able to afford the $5 a month donation. So if you do have the means to donate, I very much appreciate it. Um, it is and will continue to be the only source of income from this podcast that I have is your donations. Other great ways to support the project and the podcast, if you don't want to donate, is to leave a review on iTunes. It takes two seconds. Just go into your Apple Podcasts app, uh, leave some stars and a review about the podcast, and be like, this is great. It can be two words, totally quick and easy. Um, this helps the podcast show up more in people's search results, and it also makes the podcast look more legitimate when I reach out to guests. Um, it's very difficult to like prove what download numbers or even know what download numbers are associated with any given podcast. And so one thing that people definitely do is to go into iTunes and look to see like what the reviews are of any given podcast and if people have even reviewed it in the first place. So thank you to, to everyone who has reviewed it. If you haven't, um, it's very, very helpful to me and ultimately to you because, again, it helps me acquire um, really cool guests for the podcast. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, you can also rate the show in Spotify. There's no place to leave a review there, but you can uh, leave some stars, and that is super helpful as well. Thank you again to everyone for your support, past, present, and future. <laughs> Whether it's just spending this time with me, um, allocating part of your day to listening to this podcast, whether it's leaving a review on iTunes or joining the Substack, it's all very much appreciated and I am grateful for all of it, truly. I am going to play you out today with a song called In Praise of Home by Rura, um, which made me cry. <laughs> and continues to make me cry every time I listen to it. Uh, really feeling the profundity of what it means to cultivate a home or even feel like we have a home. I feel like this is something that I really haven't had and so many of us haven't had. And so much of what we talked about in last month's book club with, you know, Stephen Jenkinson's Die Wise and this just lack of belonging and the fact that we are, so many of us are orphans in so many ways and you know, moving towards something we want or finally being able to cultivate something we want, building something we want, seeing it there in front of us, having that relationship that we've always dreamed of, that, you know, chosen family we've always dreamed of, the house or the community that we've always dreamed of. In the celebration of that, in the great deep joy of of moving into that space to having those things in our lives is the grief of how long we went without them before. And that's been hitting me hard recently, especially around home and community and belonging and just the deep, deep grief of how long so many of us have gone without that in a true sense, right? Like we have the superficial versions of those things, but do we actually have the real soul level connection to place and to community that our ancestors did? I don't think so. And so coming into that, even in small, small ways, fills me personally <laughs> with grief. 
And I think that can be confusing for us sometimes. Like, but wait a second, like I'm, I'm getting what I always wanted. Like, this is what I wanted. Why am I so sad? And of course, it's because praise and love and grief are twins, right? Love and grief are two sides of the same coin. And so I think as Stephen Jenkinson said in Die Wise, like where you find one, the other one is close at hand. And so that's been feeling very heavy for me, not heavy, bad, just heavy in general. And so this song in praise of home, for whatever reason, probably because this sentiment was what was infused into the song by the creators of it. And I'm picking up on that, but it's been, it's been really hitting home. (laughs) Just going to end this episode with a cheesy pun. All right, everyone, enjoy this song. Catch you next time. Hope to connect with more of you soon. And let me know where you are out there in the world. Take care. I'm going home. I still think that, which is maybe people think it's strange, but it's a funny feeling. Place. You felt safe, comfortable. You knew everything about you. You were uh, everything was familiar to you, and it made, it made it easy for you to stay there. There was nothing that would put you away from the truth. That's why I mean, there's lots of people that I knew. So boy, are still there. You know, they didn't go away at all. I'm going home.